Welcome back to System Ministry via the podcast where Jason fucks us over. This is Brent. I've got it together. <laughs> now I'm facing. <laughs> oh my god. That's gonna be a long night, I can tell. So, oh the first time, the first time we tried recording, we got about 30 seconds in. And Jason was like, I, I've got. I had an intro, but I didn't want to say it because it'd be inappropriate. And I was like, you can say it on the show, and, you know, if we need to, we'll cut it out. And then we were like, so what What was it? And then, like, five seconds of silence. Jathan, what was it? Nothing. Oh, so that's what happened. And then he, yeah, yeah. And then he dropped out a mumble, and we're Boop. like, what oh. is going on? <laughs> so then he, he hops back in after Peyton and I kill our tracks, and he's like, uh, yeah, so my... So my roommate was using the microwave, and as, as, if you don't know, microwaves use the same frequency as wireless. So it'll it'll cut out wireless in some cases if someone's using the microwave, and that's exactly what happened. But the most infuriating thing about that was in the pre-recording, right before we started recording, <laughs> Jay thought himself was like, "I hear a microwave," <laughs> and I'm like, "It's not me." You know, it's, it's definitely not me. I don't have a microwave down here. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here I am thinking like, oh, it's painted. It's got to be painted because like the noise, the weird noises are always painted. But no, lo and behold, man, it was Jathan. <laughs> it was Jathan. Jathan okay. framed Payton. I inadvertently framed Payton by dropping out of Mumble completely. We are all Jathan <laughs> on this bus day. And well, <laughs> in other news, I moved and I have a roommate now, and he's oh, got a cat. So that's God. the whole story. Is the, is the cat in the in the uh, closet with you right now? I'm not in the closet, actually. You're not in the closet. I came out of the closet. He came out of the closet. He came right. out. Ladies where and are gentlemen. you? Where are you recording now? I'm sitting at the end of my bed. My mic is on my dresser. My laptop's in my lap. I'm sitting on a tiny stool. It's really uncomfortable. So let's just hurry up. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, and also I, I want to I want to take a moment right now to apologize beforehand. I had some dental work done today, and my mouth kind of really hurts really bad right now. Because the, the painkillers wore off. So if I don't, if I'm not as talkative this episode or if I'm speaking kind of weirdly, that's why. All right. Well, I'll take over. I'll be talkative. Why? Well, I, I don't Tom. think that's that's what people want. I'm not <laughs> sure that that's a good idea. Uh, well, yeah, let's take a vote. I definitely okay? don't no. agree with that. How are we going to take a vote? <laughs> we release like a week and a half after we record. <laughs> well, it it's, doesn't it's, work like that. It's a post recording vote. It will help us. For next time. <laughs> next time. Yeah, next uh, time I feel like my mouth was like, oh, boy. kicked by a mule. All right, whatever. <sighs> Anyways. Anyways. So tonight we've got a couple of news items. Tonight we've got a discussion. What? Carry on. Uh, Carry on. Okay. Carry on. We've got a discussion about sort of spreading services versus, you know, isolating services versus consolidating them. And then we've got another, uh, yet another source code hosting hmm. <laughs> baddie. For you, but first, before we get into that, what is everyone drinking? Yes, I will go first. I'm drinking Great. Left Hand Brewing Company's Oktoberfest Marzen Lager. It's not October, but there's some in the fridge, so I drank it. Do you like it? Yeah, it's okay. Okay. Usually, I can tell when you like something or when you don't because when you like it, you're like, oh, it's it was this <laughs> and that, and it's got this hint of like strawberry or some shit. And when you don't like it as much, you're just you just don't really go into yeah. well, florid detail. I had to steal Michael's beer since he fucked up the Wi-Fi. What? I don't <laughs> so, think that's how that works. But yes, it is. No, I'm doing no. it. I'm drinking all this beer from no, now on. No, we, we are gonna not. beep out his roommate's name, right? Or no, care about that. we can we can get release from him. If, uh, you don't need release he, from Has he been on the show before? No, but no. he probably would be because he already committed to doing an episode for us in the future. Oh, okay. Great. Well, that's just fantastic. Yeah, so, I know. Everything I do is fantastic. No, it's but, not. Sure. All right. Well, we don't know if he's okay with being on have his having his name. It's a first name. On, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Do, would you ask him, please, after the show? All right. I'll start screaming now. No, don't. Don't do it right now. Do it <laughs> after the show. I'm definitely getting some votes right now. No. <laughs> Oh my god! I hate <sighs> you so much. But hey, hopefully they don't use the voting machines from DefCon. Am I right? Don't no. That's a oh terrible segue. Don't even. Don't even try. Oh my just god! Let I'm it, not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. You can, let, just. Well, just, what are you drinking, Peyton? Let it go. I'm you're drinking, drinking. I'm drinking water. 
Yeah. Really lame tonight. I'm drinking water. And I'm I'm drinking water because I had dental work done. My mouth hurts too much to drink, so. I don't have that problem. I'm just drinking water. <laughs> right. But I mean, I've, so. I've done that too when I just don't feel like drinking and I'm just, water's good. It hydrates you. It's water great. is very good. It's almost like beer. Beer is good. Although, beer actually, good. actually, at this and point stuff. in the show, it would be apropos to mention that I switched to a 100% Soylent diet Soylent? about a week ago. Yeah, Soylent. Soylent? Not, not like Soylent Green, but like Soylent. I was say. No, it's, uh, the one bad thing about it is that now I am, by proxy, a vegan. I feel like you've already I... done this before and announced proxy? it on the show. No, I didn't. I've never done, a, like, a Soylent-only diet. I fasted before. Maybe you're thinking of that. I've done I've done like week long fasts and stuff. Soylent green as people? No, not soylent green. Soylent. It's different. Well, I don't think we can be friends anymore. So I'm why? Because you're a fucking weirdo. He's just dumb, eat food. Just well, excuse up. you. I was talking about you. The bro. problem I is I was about, eating too know, much food. I was putting on way too much weight. So much weight. Well, you thinking. could diet it without drinking your fucking meals. Yeah, but it's easier. It, it no. is. It is easier. It it's really super is. easy. Dude, what do you mean how? Aren't you just hungry? No, I'm not, actually. It's super filling. I'm hungry not. For, we're not sponsored by Soylent or anything. Uh, like, if you want to sponsor us, it'd be great. I'd, hungry I would for your take mom, it maybe. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Well, there goes that sponsorship <laughs> opportunity. Because <laughs> painted with the irrelevancies. No, like, if they wanted to sponsor us, I'd, I'd stand behind it, because I've actually tried their product, and I think it's great. Like, I really am not hungry. I feel well-fed and well-nourished. So. I feel happy! It doesn't It doesn't feel like a... <laughs> I feel happy! I feel happy! Clonk. It's Clonk. just the painkillers talking. No, it's not. It, they weren't those kind of painkillers. They were local. Local anesthesia. But, yeah, low. I'm kind of into it. Like, I, I was hesitant to try it, because I was like, I feel like it's just gonna... I feel like I'm gonna end up feeling like I'm on a fast, you know, like... Because you get, like, weak and tired and shit after, like, day two. But, no, I feel great. It's been a week. Were your arms heavy? Was there vomit on your sweater already? <laughs> knees are weak. <laughs> knees are, were your knees weak? Fuck you guys. <laughs> so I think Jathan dropped his spaghetti. I think it's on his... It's, <laughs> vomit on his so anyway, on to the news now. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's... let's we've, we've fucked around enough. Hey, do you want to take us into the news? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So we have some stories here. Some things happened uh, in the last few weeks since we uh, were last here. By the way, if you preferred Forge in this show, please let us know. <coughs> Just kidding. So as Jathan tried to segue into <laughs> our first bit of news is that voting machines were hacked at DEF CON 25. So they looked at the machine. First of all, it was an Express Poll 5000 voter registration machine. And it has it runs Windows CE 5.0. It uses an ancient PCMI, PCMCIA CF slot to transfer data and holds various files to it. The bootloader is proprietary. The processor's architecture is ARM. And the database file is, again, as, as I said, stored on the memory card. They used an arbitrary firmware injection, and they were able to compromise it. This is actually a really good read. It just goes to show that, you know, you can't ever always trust a computer. Or JTON, for that word. <laughs> Where did that even come from? JTON, are you feeling better? Are we allowed to pick on you yet? You can pick on me. I'm not really feeling that great still, but... You're feeling I mean, better, though, right? I am on the upswing. I still have a headache and some weird chest pain. Okay. but in, so okay. In other news, people who care <laughs> little... <laughs> All right, keep going. All right, so the interesting thing about this is that the username and password is hard-coded into the software, and the password and username is listed in here. It's very interesting. You should take a look at it. Uh, for our next bit of news, we have a report that HBO was hacked, and they have lost roughly 1.5 terabytes of data, including a script of an unreleased Game of Thrones episode. I'm not going to read about the hack because there's no point. They were hacked. They did terrible things. Good job. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it looks like episodes of the series Room 104 and Ballers have been leaked online. They sit, they're trying to compare it to the Sony hack back in 2014. Okay, so I don't watch TV or, like, you know, HBO, uh -huh. I guess. Is The Room 104 a serialization of Tommy Wiseau's The Room? I don't know. I don't know enough about it. I sincerely hope it is. I doubt it is, but I sincerely hope well, it is. Because that might be worth an HBO subscription. Might be. I need to interject. No. I just muted myself for, like, three minutes because I can't stop laughing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and the second time we had to restart <laughs> recording was because Jathan kept laughing through the intro. <laughs> I forgot to mention that part. 
Sorry, By the way, if you're looking going, for a very professional podcaster of Jathan, you will not find one at all. All right, Jathan, mute yourself again. Okay. <laughs> you can tell he's like crying. Just, okay. The next bit of news we have is that Putin is threatening or or has banning VPNs to stop Russians accessing prohibited websites. No. What? Oh, you weren't there for that discussion. I was there. Right. Right. They're discussing it. They're not. Yeah, so, that's what I said. Actually, that's what I said that. Yeah, uh, let's, possibly. Let's segue into that. Actually, yeah. I know we keep. Yeah. I know. Jason, why are you calling me right now? All right, I'm answering you on air. All right, so everyone can hear. <laughs> what? <laughs> you fucker! Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I think this is going to be a good episode. I can this tell. is going to be a great episode. Are you kidding me? It's already like super shitty, but like the good kind of shitty. Oh yeah, absolutely. What are we this talking is... about? Putin, right? Also, Putin, P- Putin, <laughs> Putin. Putin. <laughs> I don't. I heard Putin. Yeah. So I Putin. I, I know people are going to like fucking turn this into some weird conspiracy theory. It's not. I promise. I am in direct contact on a personal level. Not a political level, on a personal contact level. Direct contact with the FSB. No, with nobody in any sort of position <laughs> of power in Russia, but they live in Russia. And they, uh, you know, I asked them about it. I was like, is this true? Like, you know, because we happen to be both knowledgeable about VPN services and such. So I said, really? like, yo, dude, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, I was <laughs> like, dude, is that, shut up. I was like, dude, is this true? And he's like, no, they talked about it, but, you know, they the ban fell through. They didn't act, you know, they voted on it and they didn't. They didn't approve it. So that seems to be something that the U.S. is getting wrong. And uh, he could be misunderstood because keep in mind, this is like a direct civilian contact. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how in touch with the news he is or not, because I don't know him like that well. But, you know, direct from his word is that it's not actually happening at right. this present point in time. Right. So that's why I said potentially. Yeah. Bad. yeah. I did not there say was discussion, bad. but, right. you know. There's nothing conclusive led to it, which U.S. media would lead you to believe differently. But so what you're saying is that the United States media is lying to us. Shut about. <laughs> Damn it! Not again. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It happens on both sides of the political spectrum. Everybody, everybody uh, lies. Just so you guys know, the media is not always telling you what you want to hear. Or like. Yeah, oh, I should. You know what? I'll, I'll link to it in the notes. But there's a good, and I hate think pieces, but there's a good think piece on that about how they they basically sell sort of panic and fear. It was on Medium. It was a well written piece. Oh yeah, that was a good article. Yeah, I yeah, read yeah. That. I, I'll, 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 now we have to link to it. We uh, well, to. I said I would and in the, in the and show he notes. Said he was going to. Uh, well, I'm distracted. <laughs> Why are <laughs> you distracted? Stop <laughs> fucking people's couches or, yeah. or porches or Ooh. stop putting. Never mind. Yeah, anyway. and IRC, he's like, oh, fuck your porch. Uh, uh, Pay so, attention, Jathan. We're doing this. So the, the next bit of news we have is that the Citadel mechanic has received a five-year prison sentence. Mm-hmm. He was a Russian man accused mechanic. of the belt. That's what the article headline says. Who was Who played a pivotal role in the development of the Citadel malware has been sentenced to five years in prison. He did plead guilty. It was a district U.S. district court in Atlanta. He'd already served two years in Norway. He's going to receive credit for that. So that's good. Good for him. Okay, so I know we keep interjecting news, and it's already 15 minutes in on the mm-hmm. Raw. But uh, mm-hmm. seriously, though, mechanic? Mm-hmm. I, hey, man, I, I didn't write the articles. Okay, so, developers know. out there, is software mechanic a thing? Is that Am I that old? I'm going to go ahead and change my title to wannabe software mechanic. <laughs> or, like, can I be a systems mechanic? Or a network mechanic? I'm going to be a systems... Yes, I want to be a systems mechanic. Not an engineer. I want to be a systems mechanic. Well, even then, uh, that sort of makes sense, because you can deal with... You know, maybe it just means you deal only with hardware. But a develop The whole point of a developer doesn't... It doesn't deal with hardware. They... Purely software. Right. Malware is, like, entirely software. You can have, like, firmware malware, but it's still software. Oh, I'm getting burned up about this. So he's the, he's, second, he's the second person to be brought to justice over Citadel, which Good. I might add was responsible for more than $5 million in losses Ooh. and it affected over 11 million computers worldwide. Wow. The second, the first person to be convicted of this was Dmitry Belarus, Belarusov. I am not telling Belarusov would be my guess. I sure maybe. <laughs> 
Who knows? So I'm not it Russian. Was, I don't know. It was Microsoft and FBI who actually broke up the network in 2013. It was a series of mm-hmm. botnets. An that's internet mob has descended upon Facebook of a company that snitched on an innocent hacker. So an 18-year-old kid in Budapest found an issue. Mm-hmm. The BKK. I'm not going to try to pronounce this because it's what the fuck. Uh, he what, discovered Indonesian or something, right? Budapest. Budap- Budap- Budapest is Hungary. Right. So it's Hungarian. Right. He discovered a flaw in the e-ticketing site that let him modify the price of one ticket and purchase it at a much lower cost. He then went into developer mode and was able to alter the site source code. He reported the flaw within a few minutes. They reported him to the police. More than 46,000 people have given BKK a one-star review. Yeah. So it doesn't always pay to report things. <laughs> right. The next thing we have is that the FCC is claiming that they have no documentation of a DDoS attack which took down the web- its website following the John Oliver net neutrality segment. So even though there's been reports of it and we've all seen it happen, they say that there's nothing there and it didn't happen at all. So there's that. And the last bit of news we have is that the bad taste vulnerability affects Linux systems via malicious Windows MSI files. So fucking Windows can't seem to just stop fucking shit up. <laughs> Although, to be fair, this isn't... Even well, it's yeah. it's the GNOME EXE thumbnailer. It's a third-party thumbnailer used by GNOME files, formerly known as Nautilus. I don't think it's... Is it yeah. third-party? I thought it was one of the plugins developed by GNOME. It may, maybe used to be. It's oh, a okay. third-party thumbnailer, so I, huh. I'm assuming that it creates thumbnails in... Oh, it, par- it probably parses the MSI and looks for the ISO or their ICO or whatever in there. Sure. So this gentleman known as... Dagson Moskop, a German IT expert, discovered he could hide malicious VB script inside names of MSI files. When the user accessed the folder on his computer, the GNOME files would automatically parse the file to extract the icon and display it. So read this. It's actually pretty interesting. I didn't know you could do this. And I'll be checking my thumbnailers more extensively in the future. And uh, also, Foscon 2017 is August 26th. Mm-hmm. Brent and I will both be there. Jathan will not be. We're both putting on workshops. We're both putting on workshops. He's going to do BDISC and AIFNG. Is that well, right? No. I, well, oh. I might incorporate it into my BDISC workshop, but only okay. like tertiarily. You're talking so about like... podcasts, right? In... Yeah, yeah. My talks on podcasting right. with open source software. You're going to beam me in, right? Uh, no. I don't know. I might stream it. I'd have to check with the coordinators to see if that's kosher with them. It is at the International House of Philly, and they had pretty decent internet access last time I was there. So True. Well, I meant more okay so like on a policy level. Not, right, you know. right, right, right. So it we'll was, see. I'm doing a key signing and install fest. Install fest slash thing. If it is cool with them, you should broadcast that too. That'd be cool. What, the key signing and install fest? Yeah, yeah why not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll bring a camera with me or something like that, and we'll go from there. But uh, otherwise, please come out and check us out. You know, we're looking to have a good time. We're going to have record turnout this year of like a thousand people. So Yeah, if I weren't sick, I would honestly consider flying out. But... No, you wouldn't. Shut up. Okay. But it is at the International House of Philadelphia, and it's a good location. It's it's not far from transit and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So by all means, come out and see us. It's and, 16th and Cherry? I believe so, yeah. 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 It's on foscon.us website, you know. Foscon, we'll have a link to it. Yep. And that is Payment of the News. Cool. Also, it's free. Yes, it, it is, is. It is free. Both Absolutely. free as in beer and, well, I, I don't know how it would be free as in Libra. But also donations accepted and encouraged. Right. right. And if you pay, if you like donate while registering your ticket, you get like a free sweatshirt or a free shirt or whatever, depending on what level. So it's it's cool that they do that. Anyways. Yeah, that's, it's run by good people. So. Yeah. Yeah, we know personally the people who run it, basically. Yeah. And a bunch of the volunteers, and they're all, all great people. So it's definitely something worth checking out. And like I said, either last episode or the one before, you know, it's it's more gained towards, like, developers and, like, corporate sort of environments-ish. But it's there's definitely some stuff that sysadmins or just general open source advocates can learn as well. Well, I, I gave a talk a couple of years ago about LVM, and I actually had someone come up to me and tell me, hey, I learned a lot from your talk, and it actually mm-hmm. helped me install LVM. And I was like, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I yeah, uh, I've, a lot to learn. You'll always find like at least one technically-centric talk. Sure. And mine's, mine's, I'm trying to make mine pretty technical, too. All right, so... 
So today, we like literally, Jathan just came up with this discussion topic today, and I think it's a good one. It's because it's relevant to something that happened today, for what it's worth. Are you at liberty to talk about the incident, or is it NDA? Uh, I'll bring it up. Okay, cool. So Jathan said, "I'd like to talk about spreading services versus single host solutions." So in other words. Isolating a service to like one service per server. So like you have your identity management server, you have your mail server, you have your web server, so on and so forth. Or sort of combining several services into one server. So like you'd have like a web server and a DB server in the same machine. And it's a good point. I, to start us off, I'm going to, I'm just going to share like the basic way I think about it. And that's what sort of. There's maybe like three or so questions I ask myself. I don't like have them written down and have like a checklist, but it's just sort of mentally things I consider. What sort of services might need to share this information? What services would work better with each other on a local host? And, you know, security. What would be best ideally suited for like a local socket instead of a connection over the network or even the internet? Yeah. So I think it'd be worthwhile if I do explain my situation a little bit. So the one thing where I work, and I'm not going to you know, go into too much detail such that I'm giving anything away, but we host a lot of very wild and crazy things. You know, I'm responsible for a VM host or two or actually five that, you know, serve front-facing websites. There's some internal sort of web stuff. It's sort of obviously like a nice test bed. Like if somebody wants to try to stand something up, that's where we give them space, whatever. And in particular, we have a lot of projects that use databases, just in general. Like, even the accounting on the compute clusters, the information for that, like, when your job finishes, is stored in a database. So, you know, I was having a discussion today about a particular project that we're going to be working on that's going to need more database, in terms of size, I think. I think it's going to be a large database than most of the other things that we work with, just because of the nature of the data that we're working with and how it's being served and everything else. And so I finally, you know, started sort of investigating the idea of whether or not we actually are at the point where maybe we need a dedicated database server, whether it be just for this one project or, you know, an instance of MySQL or whatever it might be that is used by many of our services, right? And so... For me, the reason I sort of came up with this is because I don't actually know the answer. Like, at what point is it reasonable to have an external database server? And, you know, we don't have to limit the scope of this discussion to just database servers. But at what point do you make the decision? Like, you know, you're introducing some latency with network, right? Because you're making external database queries. But, you know, when is that still beneficial, even with that added latency and overhead of having another server running and all these other things? Well, actually, to throw back to last episode, S2E12, this mm-hmm. is a good use for virtualization. You could have your scheduler, yeah, your scheduler and your DB server isolated, but still on the same host. So the you could still use the network between them, but the network license, latency would be minimal at most. Well, I mean, the scheduler, for example, runs on the compute cluster itself in in that specific case. So that would be external to the VM infrastructure. So you run the the scheduler on the nodes. Yeah, sort of. So my question, though, also is like, you know, you read through the instructions for installing WordPress, right? And you use MySQL for WordPress, obviously. And the instructions kind of imply or assume that you're running your database locally, but is this a good idea for most cases, actually? I mean, there's... Hmm, yeah, I, most cases. Well, how do you define most cases? In, in what environment? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is yeah. like, Are you talking like some, some podunk website? Or are you talking like, nine, like Five Nines corporate website with like well, brand name recognition international or something? I think it's reasonable to say like, if you or I were going to run a very small WordPress site that might generate... I don't know, 10,000 hits a month, let's just say, mm-hmm. right? That's obviously very low volume. Yeah. You would run the database on the same server, like it'd be a single VPS or whatever, and that's where you'd run everything. Yeah, yeah, probably. So, sure. so I think the question becomes not so much what am I talking about specifically, but where is the line? So, and, and, and how do you decide that line for yourself? And what are the pros and cons once you find that line? Well, I feel like if you're, yeah, well... Let me ask you this question. When you run a query, how long are you wanting it to take versus how long is it taking? Is that a factor in your decision on that? I think yes, but at the same time, I don't think the network is actually going to be the point of latency there. I think it's going to be how you write your queries and how your data is organized. 
Sure. I mean, I guess what I was trying to, to get at was, you know, if you virtualize, then all you're really seeing is you're going to be able to hit that, maybe hit it a little bit faster than just being on a network. Like, you can only have so much network anyway. You and know? Le- I mean, less network congestion, but, but usually yeah, right. that's not, from queries, that's not that big a deal. So Yeah, it's a very nominal amount of data. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. Majority of the time. I, I was just curious, you know... I was just curious so I could try and, you know, figure out if virtualizing was the key or not. I don't... So well, and, and I think virtualizing, if you have a whole virtual infrastructure and you're using it for mostly that, I think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. But in my case, you know, what I'm really getting at is... Yeah, your nodes are hardware, so you gotta... And I don't well, think you're... in some cases, so do I buy a piece of hardware just to serve as a database server that might have some high availability built in? Because obviously... If you're running not only, you know, one site against this database, but all your databases, you want to make sure you have high availability in place. I mean, the way I would probably do it is I would run the schedulers on a VM and the MySQL on the VM and not run the schedulers on the nodes themselves. Yeah, no, it it doesn't really work that way, though. Well, I mean, I have a feeling you could set it up like that. The schedulers just tell what machines to do when. They don't really do the thing. Sort of, but but this, actually, the scheduler. This is an area where I don't know enough about DBA. The scheduler is not really the focus here. I don't care right, so much right. about the no, scheduler. No, I understand. I'm saying like if I was given a blank slate and told to design it ground up, that's what I would do. But you're in a position where you know you already have an infrastructure and you're trying to incorporate or read, I guess, rebuild a database implementation in it. I would probably run the DB on its own host, ideally as a VM, which is why I harp on it. Because it's, it's if you're not, you know, constrained by resources, like it doesn't have to be 100% like up-to-date IO or whatever. If the requirements are pretty lax on that, there's no reason not to virtualize it. If you have well, a platform for it set up already. Right, so, which obviously we do. Right, right. Are you talking about just setting up a machine and then putting a virtual host on there a virtual uh, virtual machine on that and that being the sole no no i'm no, not no, I'm this not would sole. be yeah he already has a, a vm host so. no no but but i think what Peyton's asking is what am i actually trying to determine and in my case i would be buying essentially a new you know server and it would its sole purpose would be to have like mysql and postgres running mm. and serve them to remote locations and by i mean remote i say like you know, it's not across the world, it's like across the hall, but... So it's like VLAND? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I guess the question is, when do you have a dedicated database server, or when do you start looking at something that's running on your VM infrastructure, and you say, look, this has been great as a VM, but we need to move it outside the VM. I'd Either because your VM infrastructure itself relies on it to function, right, which obviously... Hypervisor, sure. Yeah, that oh. obviously uh, is one thing. Or because it's just becoming you know, high enough demand or load or network traffic that it's impacting. Yeah, I would. All right. So I would say like this, I would say there's two concrete times when you would want to isolate a service on its own hardware. And that is one when the sort of virtualization environment limits, I guess, aren't doing the job. You know, you've already maxed out what you can for that machine, but it's still underperforming to your needs. Okay. Because, you know, you you do have more options and throwing more money, I guess, at hardware to make it faster if you really need that. Most of the time, I will say, most of the time people throw money at the thing when they don't need to, but that's an entirely different topic. The second instance would be, like, very high-risk security concerns. So if you literally need to air cap a box... You know, like, no way it can interact with other services, other machines, whatever. You literally need it physically air-gapped. VM's not really a good place to do that. Because, like, while you can isolate it from other VMs and the host on, like, a firewall level and and such, or even just not assign a network interface to it, you can still escalate. You know, there are vulnerabilities out there that have allowed people to escalate through to the hypervisor and things like that. So... You know, a, a VM in that case is going to, you're going to want a physical machine that's isolated for that specific service in that case. As for right. isolating services as opposed to, like, what did I what did I say for it? Collated services or combined services? I forget the word I used. Something. Yeah, yeah. Like that? As a, well, so, like, as for, like, isolated services, 
security, again, if your risk model is not so high that you need it air-gapped, or like your needs model, your your service model requires that it be connected to the network or whatever. Mm-hmm. In general, you will want that isolated if it's a high risk software. So Bind is a good example of this. Bind has had some issues, <laughs> numerous issues. Just, just one. <laughs> no, no, it has had some issues, plural. And that is something you would want segregated. Definitely. Right. 100% from other services. Now, as for like a DB... That's kind of special in the sense that it's designed to interact with other services, you know? Right. Like auth, too. A lot of authentication and authorization stuff. That's designed to work with other services. Sure. So like that's sort of an active directory yeah, or LDAP or Yeah, whatever. exactly. So that's more of like a judgment call, I think, as to, you know, what are your hardware requirements? What are your processing needs and things like that? I would say that's more important in terms of like MySQL and LDAP and that kind of stuff. Well, the interesting thing I think to think about from my perspective is like, you know, you mentioned virtualizing, which mm-hmm. is a really great option. And if you have high availability built into your VM infrastructure, which I'm willing to bet most people do, you know, not like your home lab, obviously, but at your job, right? Because you have a lot of services running on VMs and for good reason. So you know, you don't really have to come up with a separate solution for high availability for your database server if it's on a VM, because ideally the hypervisor or, you know, whatever you have wrapped around that is going to take care of making sure it's always available. Mm -hmm. But if I were to buy a piece of hardware for a database server, I would need to have a way to fail off of that. You know, assuming I had, let's just say five other machines pointing at this database server it's a single point of failure at that point unless I have something in place such that I could quickly migrate or switch over or whatever. Yeah, actually, you know, I'm really glad you said that because I meant to mention that earlier and totally forgot. If you're running like a balanced web server thing and they use a a database backend, that's another good example where segregated services, isolated services is a good thing because then you have your, you know, like five or whatever web servers and maybe you only need like two database servers. You need the, the hot and the, the cold or the hot and the failover. So you save money because, you know, you don't need to buy five DB servers, like one for each web host. And you also avoid sort of data inconsistency issues that way as well. You know, if you're running five web servers that all run basically the same web service code, you don't want five different copies of the data. You want one copy of the data and ideally like a hot backup waiting to drop in or something. You don't want to have to try and collate and deduplicate across five different web servers so that would be a good example of why you would not run a db server on each of the web hosts so yeah so thanks for bringing that up because i totally forgot i wanted to mention that but again like we're talking like pretty big scale here you know so okay i don't know do you guys have anything further to talk about this because we do have time i don't know i guess i don't have an answer to my question (laughs) i do have an answer for it it's just not an answer you like and that it's all circumstantial right but how do you evaluate like I still want to know, like... I opened it up how telling I... you how I evaluate. Yeah, but right now, my specific project, yes. which I know you don't have specific details... Yeah, I don't I don't have, like, a frame of reference, really. Here. All right, I hate it here. I quit the podcast. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Calm okay, down. I think Forge will down. be glad to take over, so... Oh, my gosh. We need, to, we need to cool that. Calm down. He doesn't like Forge. No, I do like Forge. It's just, I'm sick of hearing all this replace Jathan talk. <laughs> So I am too. First time he's ever said something nice to me. You just said. Yeah. I'm I'm kidding because he's sitting there talking about quitting. Yeah. Well, so of course I'm going to be like, sure, you know, I can, I can find a replacement for you. I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. know. For your particular case, based on what I know, both of what you said on air and off air, I would probably say that you would benefit from a segregated or isolated MySQL instance, simply because of the fact that, you know, you've got multiple clusters and multiple nodes within each cluster. And I think that would help facilitate that. But you would also need to make sure that it's robust enough to support, you know, that many simultaneous queries, however it may be. That's actually a good point as well. It's a little bit harder with VMs, and you sort of alluded to this, but it's Mm -hmm. a lot harder to, you know, sort of obviously custom tailor it like you can order a piece of hardware that specifically has you know ssds for caching purposes or whatever Mm -hmm. and you can't really do the same thing with a vm necessarily you can do pass through yeah yeah i know but it's a lot harder to expand the hardware to just accommodate that need yeah yeah that's true 
And it does make CPU balancing a bit tricky because the CPU itself is virtualized. So of course. So you, yeah, I mean, you would see some issues with that. So I would say it's not maybe as flexible in terms of tuning and tweaking. But most of the time, once you sort of hit across some tweaks that work well for your use case, you're not ever going to have to tweak them again, no matter what the environment. So, and you know, take that with a grain of salt because, like, you know, one environment can vary greatly from another. But right, I would say most of the time that's true. Yeah. Does that okay. answer your question? Do, do you yeah. feel sated? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> you guess? It's fine. What do you mean? I'll you still guess? probably quit. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Shut <laughs> up! Jesus, dude. Jesus. Yeah, you, you guys just stopped writing answers ages ago. These therapy sessions are not helping. <laughs> this wasn't even a therapy session. Son you of asked a, bitch. a question. I'm in I the wrong bubble again. It. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the wrong mumble server. <laughs> is that why you dropped out? You you uh you He's tried like, to switch this to isn't the server? This confusion. Isn't the confusion. Gaping buttholes anonymous. Oh whoa. Whoa. Oh my gosh. Gross. Anyways, yeah, no, I I think that's the best answer I can give you personally, based on just what I know. But you know, again, you might want to sit down with a piece of paper and like pen yeah. out your infra and see what you need and what you would like and kind of take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you just say, I need this and you don't really tell us what this is for, then I mean, you know, I mean, I can take, really a, I can take a guess, but yeah, at the end of the sure. day, it's a guess. So sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, sure. You betcha. I'm going to, I'm going to say this. I don't want to jinx the episode, but I think now that we're past the main topic of discussion, we'll be mm-hmm. okay. I yeah. think this is going to be a short episode. Ooh. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> did you really go there? I did. I did. Why those, would you say that? For new listeners who may have not listened to our archives, our older episodes, every time I say, I think this is going to be a short episode at the beginning, it's always been like a longer than usual episode. Like past the hour mark and we usually try to shoot for like a 45 minute episode it tends to end up being about an hour ish but like the times i say that it, it's like an hour 10 hour 15 and, and such but we owe you a short one no i mean we, we had we gave we a had short those one, one last guys, time we had those one guys bitching about our no, three hour long one. season finale remember that's so. once a season suck it up sure absolutely suck it up i don't care what's the season and I we don't even refuse to suck anything up and we don't. Oh, oh my gosh! What the well, fuck is going on? You don't have to unless you're one of the people who are complaining about a three-hour season or a three-hour episode. I was definitely not. Right, and also we don't really talk about all that much of substance in the shit show. Sure, we don't. It's for you guys. It's for right. our listeners. It's for it's our for listeners. Doing it for the fans. Doing it for the fans. Doing it Getting for extremely the fans. drunk and staying in the closet for hours. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag doing it for the fans. Quit your bitching. You know you like it. Do you guys? Yes. What? Do you have any other points of business that you would like to discuss? <laughs> oh, I've got some freaking business. <laughs> what are you are you gonna what? are you saying you're gonna bring us the business? <laughs> no, I got nothing. Okay, yeah, I didn't think so. I actually think we might spend some time on the baddie anyway, so Okay, yeah, we can we can do that. I guess that is your business, since it's your It's my sole purpose here. No, it's not your sole purpose. It's all they give it me. It is your segment though. So yes. please, Jathan. Lead Run us into the Yes! This is Jason with the Batty. Oh god, shut up. He's stealing your shtick. I know he is. <laughs> yeah, well, my segment, I can do what I want. He, he sucks at it, though, like, terribly. Like, it's the worst I've ever heard. You're usually lazy about it. You, Jay like, don't go. do it right. So, anyway, this Batty is a little controversial in a sense, perhaps a little. You're, I feel like you're the one that's spinning up most of the controversy and... It's only with us. Well, no, this is his shtick. He takes 20 minutes to get to the point of the batting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even so, drunk. Okay, you know, so we all know who GitHub is and what they do. Right. Can you explain it to us, please? <laughs> Sometime around 9.30 a.m. Pacific on... Specific? Pacific. Pacific, yeah. Why is this article not dated? I don't know. July thirty first. That you, you tell yesterday. us. Yes, it's it was July thirty first. Yes, GitHub experienced a major outage. Mm-hmm. Major. So, so yes, that's what it says in this article, which we will link to. So basically, users were not able to check in new code or make pull requests, and 
So GitHub at first tried to play it off like it was a minor outage. They posted a status message that they were experiencing what they call a minor outage, but then they quickly upgraded it to major service outage. Why now, is this? Was a, there a private involved or uh, anyway? Why is this a big deal? Well, the honest truth is, we've talked about GitHub before. They have some shady practices. I would say it's not really vanilla Git at this point, not, so far as we know. Maybe a little. I wouldn't it's hard say to shady, say. but questionable. Questionable. Yeah. From my perspective, the reason this earns them a baddie is because at this point, so many people use GitHub that even an hour of downtime across a large organization yep. is going to result in a huge loss of money. There are many, many companies in Silicon Valley that have public, you know, repositories and private ones hosted with GitHub. And, you know, you could imagine if you worked at, you know, Apple or Google or Facebook or whatever, mm-hmm. and you had repos on GitHub, now I'm willing to bet most of them self-host, but... I, would, I wouldn't. I would say most of them are on GitHub. Well, I don't know. Anyway, that they would have lost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars or over the course of this outage, Atl- or more. Atlassian, actually, would probably be more accurate. But Anyway, so the point here is it also brings up some interesting things. I mean, that's this is not like the worst baddie we've ever had. We don't mm-hmm. even really know what the issue was here. Yeah. But what I found to be somewhat astonishing is GitHub's downtime over the last 30 days is 99.56%, and that was before this outage, uptime. basically. That's uptime, not downtime. Yes, sorry. <laughs> that, those two are they're very different things. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> one is very um, good, like, one is very bad. Yeah, but, but my point is, right. if you become GitHub, <laughs> okay. or you become am, Facebook... They told me I could become anything, so I, I became GitHub. <laughs> Shut up. You know what I'm saying, though? If you, you start should. a service yes. that becomes as large as GitHub a or virtual Facebook monopoly, or Google or whatever, yes. To me, I would think that 99.5% is slightly unacceptable. Yeah. Even even yeah. looking at a 30-day metric. I guess it's hard to say because I'm not the operations team there or whatever. And I try to take it easy on, like, ops people because, you know, we've all been there and shit happens. But at the same time, if you're GitHub, literally GitHub, how do you not have something in place that automatically just picks up the slack when something like that happens? Yeah. Well, it could be that their tech support didn't know how to uh, engage the backup. What? What? You know what? I bet it is. It's British because Airways. it's because they don't have a dedicated database <laughs> server. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if that's what it was? I'd pee. Oh my gosh, that'd be hilarious. So anyway, this baddie, you know, not as exciting as other baddies, but a baddie nonetheless. Mm-hmm. I think the reason for this baddie is really public visibility and and use, right? Like you did an excellent job on this baddie. Dude. People people hate SourceForge because it sucks and it's unavailable. People are going to hate GitHub if they always see the angry unicorn that shows up when it's taking too long to load. Mm-hmm. Do I really think we're heading in that direction? No. I think GitHub is going to very, very much so remain the leader of source code control and revision control that is publicly available. No, no, no. 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 I, I take issue with the verbiage. A leader Honestly. is someone who becomes an authority on something because they are they set a good example. A monarch, or monopoly hmm. in this case, is one hmm. who by de facto crushes opposition. And I think that is what GitHub does. They have opposition. Hmm. You know, they've got competitors like GitLab and Atlassian and stuff. But they don't really the way GitHub behaves is non competitive, I would say. But it's designed to non competitive. It, it is designed uh, I think... to not promote competition that's probably fair do you think they're designed not to promote competition yeah in a sense i think it's more so they don't acknowledge the competition like they almost act like they have the sort of trophy and they're at the top so they're just going to stay there so they don't take i'm not saying a company has to step down if it's chosen by consumers by the yeah you know but the more more to the point github itself sort of brands itself as git as source yeah. co- the source code repository. That's true. And I don't know exactly what leads into it because they're not the best, but they're the biggest and they're right. the most widely used. And I don't know why, but well, because yes, they did it first with the flashy web interface and they did not. They didn't know, I know, not exactly, but but they did it first in a way that people grabbed onto it. Large scale. I feel like Bitbucket was doing that before. I don't know. You can I don't know all you want. <laughs> it doesn't even really matter. At the end so, of the day. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why 
it is what it is. But I'm saying what it is now is a virtual monopoly, and that's not good for a, a capitalist economy. Not just that, it's not good for the users. Yeah, that too, exactly. So Because, because when something innovation like is driven by competition. Very true. Especially in the tech field, and like... You know, also uptime, up like who are you going to switch from GitHub, GitHub to? I mean, you could switch to GitLab. You you do have options, but 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 they're not as well known or large or in charge or as funded because they yes. don't have the same user base. Right. I don't know. I, we're starting to get philosophical on this, I think. Yeah, this was a bad baddie. <laughs> My segment well, sucks ass. We you're the one that thought of it. So, <laughs> Your know. segment's fun. It's the only segment where, is it? where we can like, uh, is it where, really? yeah. Because we get to laugh at people. Mm, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> and tell them okay. not to fuck it up again. Hey, don't fuck it up. Yeah, GitHub. don't fuck it up. You suck. Stop, GitHub. Stop Cool it. your jets. Bad baby. Bad baby. <laughs> but if you work at GitHub and want to be on the show, please contact us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll be, yeah. We'll be sure to give you guys a fair and impartial view. No, I, w- I Also, would, for what it's worth. I know, for... I know that the people we would get on the show from GitHub, the people who work at github that might listen to us are probably people not responsible for making decisions if you, that lead to what they are also if you work at github and you don't make decisions then <laughs> i was not upset with you in any way should perform yeah Otherwise, also you suck what jathan well it should just i do self-host a lot of git repos for private shit but <clears> i also <throat> have an account on github and like you can find my website there for example mm. <laughs> Like the Lector project to build out my websites on GitHub because it's public anyway. Do you mirror from a Gitolite? Because I mirror myself. Yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. know I have AIFNG and BDisk at the very least. And I think Podloader, too. The the software Podmotor. I... Loader. L-O-A-D-E-R. Oh. That's the software I use to upload our audio and like mm-hmm. set up the, the meta information behind it. Mm-hmm. That is also mirrored on GitHub. But the primary source code repository for those is self-hosted. Yeah. So. That's cool. Cool. I still need to write up an article for that, by the way. But Yeah, probably, and then it should go on GitHub and the readme. <laughs> there you go. I'll put a... Uh, isn't there, like... I think they say parts of their infrastructure are open source, so I, sh- I should put in a pull request for a readme being like how to mirror your own shit and just... Or how to host your own shit and just mirror it to GitHub. <laughs> oh, they get mad? No, nah, they're not. No, mad. they wouldn't get mad at that at all. <laughs> all right, whatever. Anyways, this has been Sysadmenus Trivia. This is Brent. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Peyton. See you around. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking J-Power. Oh my gosh. (sighs)